Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. And welcome back into Inside the Clubhouse. He's Bruce. I'm Mike. In for David today. Mike Esposito. Glad to be here and hope your holiday weekend is off to a great start. Should be a beautiful holiday weekend. So get on out and enjoy it. And one place you can enjoy it uh, tonight, in fact, is at Wrigley Field. The Cubs uh, with a night game tonight uh, facing the Cincinnati Reds and trying to get back in the win column after losing to the Reds 9-0 yesterday. And Bruce, as we wait for uh, Boog Shambi to hop on, uh, one of the moves that was made as as Kyle Hendricks was activated, Nick Madrigal sent down to Iowa. And uh, not that it was necessarily a surprise, but Madrigal getting down there to get, uh, as Rossi said, some, some regular at-bats as he was in and out of the Cubs lineup here at the Major League level. Yeah, well, for me, it was a little bit of a shock. I mean... Did he have a position on the Cubs coming out of spring training? No. Was he the centerpiece um, along with Cody Hoyer for the trade uh, two years ago with the White Sox uh, for Kimbrell? Yes, he was. A number four pick overall in the draft not too many years ago. Uh, Spent very little time in the minor leagues. Uh, Was looked at, um, Mike, as the starting second baseman for many years right. and, a, and a top of the order hitter and uh, then injury before he was traded. You know, if people remember back when he was traded, he was on the IL at the time. He already had a season ending injury at the time when he was traded. So uh, he, he had torn up his leg and he was on the IL until spring training last year. And now uh, coming back uh, this year uh, after, uh, you know, trying to, find himself last year, he ended up having no position with the Horner being moved over to uh, second base with uh, Swanson coming in as a shortstop. So from all of that, um, there was no real position. And I, I give um, I give Madrigal an awful lot of credit for going over to a position that he'd never played before and starting to improve and show that he could play that position at the major league level. I think there's still quality left in a very young player in Nick Madrigal to be a major league player. Uh, the, the problem is, and uh, we're going to get uh, Boog's opinion on this as well, Mike, right now is um, that 
when you look at Madrigal, he's got one tool uh, that's major league caliber. Uh, the rest is all good, average, but nothing, uh, nothing really extraordinary. He puts the bat on the ball. Uh, in this era, and as we move in and uh, welcome our good friend John Bugshambi to the show from Marquee Sports Network and ESPN Chicago, uh, I'm sorry, from uh, ESPN, I would, um, I would ask you, Boog, um, where do you think the career for Nick Madrigal might be going from this point on? Yeah, it's hard. I, I mean, I think you summed it up, but I think it's, it's especially challenging. I, I will say that your point about he adjusted to third, I thought he did a pretty nice job at third. If, if I were, I mean, totally honest, I, I think he did a better job than I thought he would. I thought he played, a, you know, an average-ish third base. You know, the fundamental problem is that, as you mentioned, the one tool that he has is the hit tool. So for him to establish himself as having plus value as a player, he's probably got to hit about 315. And in today's game, that is so hard. You're talking about a big, the major league average is 247. In the playoffs last year, guys hit 211. It's, it's harder to hit now than it has ever been. And the thing that he has to do if he's going to establish value is get hits. It's just, it's really challenging. Yeah, Boog. And, and speaking of the hit tool, and we appreciate you jumping on with us, uh, Christopher Morrell has certainly demonstrated that hit tool since coming up from Iowa a few weeks ago and, and lots of home runs and really uh, a great uh, on-base streak too. But he's another guy positionally that he can play a lot of different places, but you know where does he end up eventually? I mean, he's got a, he's got a lot of versatility, but he doesn't seem to have a, a natural position. Um, I, I don't I don't know the answer to that. I think the part that's so you know curious is that when you um, when you look at speed, he's he would be in the conversation as fastest guy on the team. When you look at arm, he probably is the best arm on the team. And when you look at power, you know, like who's hitting it farther than Christopher Morrell and, and has the type of juice, he's right there in the conversation. And yet even still, as, you know, twitchy and as athletic as he is, you know, right now he's kind of a DH. Um, I, I think, there, you know, again, we've got to be careful, or I should say I've got to be careful. He's 23, and um, he's playing his age 23 season right now. So – I I hope that he's able to, to learn a spot. He is most comfortable up the middle, I would say, is the way the Cubs people feel. That's where he feels most comfortable. You know, third base seems like a fit, but the arm slot is kind of all over the place. Um, you know, he basically at AAA was playing third and center. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have a good feel for that. There are tools there. Uh, as long as he hits, you know, we can push off the uh, the answer to that question for a while. Our good buddy John Bugshambi, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse this Saturday. He's Mike. I'm Bruce. It's Inside the Clubhouse. 52 weeks out of the year on the score. John, uh, well, you're being kind there. I mean, uh, he, he, he cannot play the corner outfield very well right now. And it's not for a lack of work 
we see him working every day. You're out there early, just like I am before the games, watching this guy incessantly work at his trade, not just hitting, but playing all these positions. So when, when people talk about, oh, uh, you know, this guy could be the next uh, Ben Zobris. Well, he, he's the furthest, furthest, furthest thing I know from Ben Zobris as far as playing positions right now. And it's not a lack for a lack of trying. It's just he's just not polished there. I think you put it well. He's a DH right now. And I guess I guess to further the conversation along, uh, Boog, uh, people just aren't comfortable with 23-year-old DHs who are athletic, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I mean, you bring up a great point in terms of the positional versatility, you know, you've got to be able to do it. I mean, Zobris was, you know, a plus guy at that spot. Obviously, you know, he came up as a shortstop. So that, that certainly helps. Christopher did as well, but you've got to be able to, you know, do average to above average at a spot or two in order for it to really you know, work. I mean, I would even maintain that I'm not sure in hindsight about Chris Bryant's positional versatility, right? Like he, you know, there, he, he was okay at, I mean, it, not, not better than Morrell, but um, I, I just, you know, you want guys that can move around, but they've got to be able to move around and, and be, you know, at least net neutral or assets and, it's challenging, but again, the Cubs are in a spot right now where there's still development left, and if he's going to hit a home run every, you know, seven, eight at-bats, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Talking to Boog Shambi, Marquee Sports Network, our guest here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score, and Boog, Bruce and I started the show, we were talking about kind of the seesaw season so far, started off hot. Uh, have cooled a little bit, even recently. The, the rough road trip, come home, you win the first two Mets games, feeling a lot better, and then they've lost two since then. So uh, in terms of the, the big picture in the whole season, you know, the, the numbers in terms of, you know, run differential and the metrics say that the Cubs record should be better than the 22 and 28 that it is. Jed Hoyer talked about that the other day. What do you see as you watch this team? You're there every day. You call the games every day. Uh through 50 games and Memorial Day is always a a tent pole in the baseball season in terms of you know where where is this team at and where are they going what do you see big picture when you look at this Cubs team I've been surprised and and uh, happily so by the offense like if this team continues to lead the National League and on base percentage they're gonna you know offensively they're gonna be okay um I think that the starting pitching will uh, be good, and I love their ability to catch it. When they're healthy with Swanson, Horner, and Bellinger up the middle, it's been fun to watch, and they've been, you know, an upper third in the majors defensive-type team, maybe even, you know, inside of seven or something like that. Um, The bullpen is is a big question, and I just don't know... You know, the answers. I'm. I'm not sure where where they come from, but it's 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 got to it's got to be better. I think that's a you know that's a a problem for them. So I I think the one other part is you know you sit there and dissect games and stretches. I the, the one 
part of this season that disappointed me. I, I know that there are going to be good parts and bad parts, but I, I would say that the road trip to Miami and D.C. going one and six is uh, like right. in that spot against those teams. I just think you, you've got it that you need two more wins there. And as funny as it sounds, you know, two more wins sitting here today and you're looking at the team a little bit differently, you know, two, two or three more wins on that trip. It's really the only spot where I, I feel like you have legitimate, you know, beef with what, um, what's taking place performance wise. So I, I don't know going forward. I will say, I don't think the division's that good. I don't think that the league is that good. You got the Braves and the Dodgers. I don't know. Last time I checked, I think the Diamondbacks are the next best record. So it's not, it's not a, it's not an especially good league, um, but they're in a spot right now where you got the Rays, and then you go on a ten-game trip out west, and um, you just you got to be careful. John, when you uh, look at David Ross's situation uh, uh, for the first time since he started to manage uh, social media and regular media, media have him under the microscope more than he ever has been, and I guess. That begins with the fact that there were and are expectations for the Cubs being better now. That said, uh, have you ever seen a manager look good and not be on the hot seat when a bullpen doesn't function well? Yeah, I mean, my my, you know, my thought always when you don't like the choices that the manager is making in the bullpen more often than not, he doesn't have great choices, right? I mean, so right. I, I think that it, they, they're they're almost always tied together when you look at what's happening. You know how you're evaluating a manager. I, I it's just not in in 2023. It's just not the place that I go um, in terms of manipulating stuff. You know, and, and I've changed. Right, I I understand. You know, like even even lineups and. Stuff like that. I mean, yes, you can. I, I would want every day to maximize. You know, you could to maximize the lineup. But I, I think that even you know, should this guy hit here or that guy hit there, like that's not it. That's not that's not it with for this team. It's it's a bigger picture stuff. They've got to. He doesn't have guys in the bullpen that he feels like I have nine outs down there. Like I have to pair Chafin and Kimbrel. That's nine outs in my pocket. So the game is shorter. Um, you know, I have Robertson and Martin down there. I have six, seven outs in my pocket. He just doesn't doesn't have that right now. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. You know, in terms of going forward, where they get you know the improvement from the from the bullpen. I don't. It, it's it's a path that will reveal itself when it does. But I don't I don't know quite what it is right now. A few more minutes with John Bugshambi from Marquee Sports Network, Cubs play-by-play man on TV. And uh, not that you could say that it's a massive game here as we sit on May 27th, but I know big things were expected from Jamison Tyone. They gave him a big contract, and we've seen the track record, right? I mean, he was great with the Yankees last year, but he's gotten off to a, a difficult start here with the Cubs. What, if anything, have you noticed about Tyone, and, and uh, how do you see this going uh, as we go forward in this season, Boog? I know people hate this, but I do feel like he's a guy that's had some, you know, some bad luck. Like I, in terms of 
when his injury took place coming off his best start against the Dodgers. So that's one. And then he definitely has had some batted ball and play, you know, non-hard hit, bad luck. Um, he's also left some pitches, you know, over the plate, but I'm, I guess I'm still sort of in wait and see mode for him. And I feel pretty good that it'll, it'll get better because of that, uh, of that track record. So that's, that's kind of my take on him. I, I'm not, I, I mean, I, you, the performance needs to improve period, but I'm not in a, in a overly worried state, you know, I think, you know, you just gotta, it's like what happened with Justin Steele yesterday. You know, he's just not going to go out there and fire up, you know, a two or a sub two type performance every single start. There's going to be a clunker here and there. Um, I, I just, I think, I think Jameson Tyon will get will get things back uh, back in a better direction. That's that's my guess. I have a question about broadcasting that I'm going to ask you next, but please. Give us some information about Project Main Street this year, uh, ALS project, you know, for your great friend, your your dear departed friend, Tim Shee, and uh, yeah. how people can get involved, okay? So, I mean, one, Lou Gehrig Day is coming up June 2nd. Um, the Cubs will be on the road. Um, if you're a Cubs fan or a White Sox fan, if you go to – uh, you can go to marqueesportsnetwork.com slash ALS or obvious shirts um and we're selling and als for Lou shirts if you're a white Sox fan we got it in you know black white and a little bit of silver uh you know we got it obviously in in cubs colors you have it in all 30 teams colors the proceeds go to benefit people living with als and then on june 15th against the pirates the cubs are nice enough to do at home an als lou gehrig day so hopefully you know I'd ask people to, you know, buy their T-shirts. They're 29 bucks. Again, proceeds. Every dollar goes to help someone living with the disease. Um, it's pretty amazing. In 2023, we have an incurable disease, but we do um, with Lou Gehrig disease. So, um, as you mentioned, losing Tim in 2007, it's a cause that's really personal to me. Um, and every little bit helps. You can go to projectmainstreet.org. Uh, to buy the T-shirts, so multiple spaces to buy the T-shirts on my Twitter page, on my Instagram page. Um, and if you want to donate, you can donate. $5 helps, $10 helps, $3 helps, whatever. Um, so that, that's, that's kind of it, but we need you know, people to, to help. That's, that's the biggest thing. So I have my question, and I know Mike has one more for you as well, but my question is versatility as a broadcaster – the broadcast that you do on Marquee Sports Network, along with JD and other assorted, uh, uh, you know, analysts, is one thing. The broadcast you do on ESPN and Sunday Night Baseball, quite another. And it's almost, for me, Boog, it's almost listening to two different broadcasters, because the cadence and the and the, you know the way that you um, go about preparing is probably the same but the cadence and and just the the way you go about it obviously two different vehicles tv and radio but to you are you with two different broadcasters having to do radio on sunday nights and then again during the week television uh for cubs baseball i uh i gotta tell you i would say that that's 
I, I think it's it's pretty on the money. Um, I, you know, on radio, I, like the the technical component is the priority. People cannot see what is going on, and I need to as efficiently as possible, but as descriptively as possible, uh, explain what is happening on the field, and that is the number one priority. Um, so the mechanics, the technical part of it, are the crucial part of it. On, you know, so, uh, you know, a ground ball up the middle is, you know, ground ball up the middle, Swanson to his left, reaches, fields, spins, throws, got him at first. On TV, it literally can be up the middle, Swanson, oh, nice play, one out. You can do it a million different ways. But it's because you can see it, it like you just, you're trying to engage your analysts it's a little more of a conversation. So, but yes, I'm, I am absolutely different. I, I mean, look, my, you guys know my personality is to play. That is naturally who I am. And I certainly do it on Sundays, but I can't play at the expense of people not knowing what's happening. Whereas on TV, they can see it so I can play a little more. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and Boog, as we let you go, uh, last thing from us, I look at the National League, and you're right, Arizona, outside of the Dodgers and Braves, Arizona is the next best record, uh, 29 and 22, so there's a lot of parity, but as I look at the Central specifically, I see a bunch of teams that are pretty good, that are that are probably going to finish somewhere between 75 and, and maybe 88, 90 wins, somewhere in there. Uh, I see this going down to the wire, I see a bunch of teams still being active in it, including the Cubs, and, and I, you know, I don't see anyone running away with this division at all. I don't think anyone's running away with the division. I don't. I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I look at, I, I just, I don't know that a team's capable of it. You know, for the Cardinals, I just don't know that they're going to pitch enough. So I, it's one where, you know, back, you circle it back to the Cubs, you know, if you can get yourself back on the right track, gosh, you should be playing games that mean something you know, starting in September. So that's the part that's exciting. But I completely agree, you know, with the Central. And, I mean, heck, in the overall, um, in in the National League, aside from the Dodgers and the Braves, um, you know, there, there's, there are wins to be had out there. It's not as if there, there are tons of teams that are markedly better than the Cubs. Boog, it's a pleasure. Mike and I appreciate your time very much. I enjoy uh, the Boog Shambi very much on Marquee Sports Network. I enjoy the guy that does Sunday Night Baseball as well, <laughs> even though they're two different broadcasters. To me, that, that's still amazing that people can be great at doing both. You are one of those guys. Uh, all the best of luck with the uh, Project Main Street. We will be in support of you. Have a great day, and we'll see you at the ballpark. Thanks, you guys. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. That's Boog Shambi, Marquee Sports Network. And, Bruce, you mentioned it. You hit it on the headies. And I love the broadcasting thing that you you raised with him, too, because it is. It's it's two different things, the TV versus radio, the the TV call versus the radio call. And and I know, you know, Cubs fans and, and actually White Sox fans, too, with Lenny over there, you're spoiled with these broadcasts, right? I mean, Hall of Famers on both sides of town. I mean, Pat officially going in this year, and I, I'm I'm just praising Len too. But I mean, the the uh, the skill and and the greatness on the broadcast side that we have in both radio booths is pretty awesome. 
Yeah, it, it really is. And and again, <clears throat> no, there's no greater conversations among baseball fans than about their broadcasters. And usually it doesn't come up until the teams aren't good, okay? When they're not good or going bad, then the conversation goes to the broadcaster saying, what, did you hear what Boog said? Did you hear what Lenny said? Did you hear what Stone said? Did you hear what JD said? So from all of that, uh, and, and Pat and Ron and Zach, they get an awful lot of it as well on the score uh, doing all the Cub games here. So from, from that perspective, um, it, it's, it's one of the hardest jobs in the world to be really good at, Mike. I mean, really good doing a talk show 162 times a year on radio, uh, 140 to 150 on television, being interesting, uh, provocative, um, the people's uh, voice of summer, especially when the team's playing a blowout game like yesterday. Try to keep people's attention for three hours when your team's blown out in the first few innings. Not the easiest thing to do. Yeah, that's that's some of their best work. Honestly, that's when that's when it gets a little funny in there. You get some good laughs going with Pat and Ron. And, and I say this uh, very humbly. I, I'm thrilled that I get to fill in there doing pre and post. And Pat makes it look so easy. And we know it's very difficult, but it's uh, it's quite a treat. Uh, and great to listen to Pat as always. We need to take a timeout, Bruce. When we come back, we will be joined by Cubs catcher Jan Gomes as we roll on here and inside the clubhouse. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Mike Esposito in for David Haw today, and we'll talk to Jan Gomes next here on Inside the Clubhouse on the score. And Jan was a catcher that always met his pitcher at the foul line and walked in the dugout with his arm around him talking about probably just what had happened and what was going to happen. So Jan is always thinking about what he needs to do for that pitcher and how am I going to get through this next inning. And I think pitchers respect that. When when they know that you know more about hitters than they do and their stuff and they can trust you. That's Joe Girardi, Cubs analyst, former Cubs or former major league skipper and World Series champion. Some words of high praise for Jan Gomes and Bruce. We look forward to chatting next with our guest on Inside the Clubhouse as we head on out to the SCORE hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And we bring in Jan Gomes, nice enough to spend some of his Saturday morning off uh, with us on Inside the Clubhouse. Jan, thank you so much for joining us. And I guess uh, my first question to you would be, uh, when you're running a staff of starting pitchers like this, how much credit should go to the catcher? How much should go to the pitcher? Or should we just look at it as a combination that has to be in sync for it to work? Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, that's a, that's a good question. But the way to look at it already is if somebody wants to take the credit, then that's already a bad way to look at it. I feel like if we collectively together, I mean, it doesn't just go with myself and Tucker or just the pitchers. I mean, there's a lot of people that go on behind that um, essay or, or attribution that goes into it. So if if anything, it's a, a, a spread of uh, of credit that needs to be passed around. And uh, as, as we say, good teams like to, you know, we work together and um, to get through a whole season, we need a lot of, a lot of people involved. 
Yeah, and certainly some uh, some kind words and some strong uh, words from Joe Girardi that we heard coming in. And and I know as as a longtime major league catcher, that's something you take pride in is is guiding guiding your pitching staff, knowing what's coming, you know, helping them work through the the lineup and and work through the game. Has that always been the case for you as as a catcher, as a young guy coming up? Were you always hyper aware of of the defensive responsibilities and knowing the other team's lineup? Yeah, um, I think I was. Um, I've always enjoyed um, playing that game, um, with you know whatever it is, whether manipulating a lineup, you know, focusing on your pitcher's strengths, focusing on the hitter's weaknesses, you know, whatever that that goes into it. Um, but I was taught uh, at a very young young age or, or young time in my major league career, um, and I've said this before: um, if we can get a, a um, we can get our team and our pitchers through a game and we win, you know, I've done my job. Um, so I've definitely focused on that. I, I remember really early on um, um, in my career, a, a call that I made where, you know, I didn't have much background to it and I, I you know, paid for it. So I took a, a little bit more of an ownership of uh, learning the game more and studying a little bit more to where that would never happen. Not that I would never make a wrong call again, but, at least I uh, I prepared myself for it. Cubs catcher Jan Gomes, nice enough to spend some time on Inside the Clubhouse with Mike Esposito and Bruce Levine today. And uh, Jan, when uh, here here's one question I haven't asked you and I ha- I haven't heard uh, talked about before you signed with the Cubs, you were you you know coming in you're a veteran catcher you're you know you looked at as one of the better catchers in the game, but you're going into a situation where there's a uh, a two-time All-Star, eventually three-time All-Star. That's the the regular catcher. What questions did you ask to have to ask Jed Hoyer, and what questions did he have to ask you in order for this to feel good about signing with the Cubs? Um, well, the question they had to ask me was like, "Hey, would you take it to your deal to come play for us?" I said, "Yes." <laughs> no, uh, no, I mean, I wish it was as simple as that. But uh, so, I think it was just mainly. Um, I'm at the I'm at the point of my career, place where I feel like we can win. Um, we're gonna. Um, it's a it's a good respected place. Um, so when the Cubs called, I mean, to me already it was a no brainer. Um, no, from uh, from the negotiating and aspect of that, uh, we were in that. Uh, lockout stage where um, those conversations have to happen fast. Um, I feel like it was a uh, more of a conversation of, um, am I going to get a chance to play some decent games? I don't, you know, I feel like I can contribute and, and whatever they want out of me, I was going to, uh, I was going to be ready for it. Um, and obviously, you know, knowing, you know, that Willie was here and, you know, pending free agency and all that, I, I felt like if I, Gain enough respect, I could get a, you know, a chance to play more the next year, with you know, which would be this year. Um, but mainly, it was um, it was coming to a place where um, I knew I was going to enjoy, and um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like what we went down. Talking with Jan Gomes on Inside the Clubhouse, and and Jan, we do hear a lot, and you know, it's known around baseball, right? Wrigley Field, a great place to play, but uh, for you as a catcher in particular, coming in and having a guy who was a catcher in the big leagues uh, not so long, 
who is now your manager. I, I would imagine there's lots of very uh, catcher-centric. Uh, you guys probably get each other uh, pretty well in terms of communication. Do I, do I have that right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I feel like that um, um, not to, to lack any kind of respect that, that we all have for, for Ross, but I feel like that, that part of like, yes, he's my manager and I'm his, you know, one of his players. I feel like that part, uh, it's become easier um, to have that kind of get past it and have that communication of just like in-game adjustments and in-game conversations that we can have. Um, I feel like uh, Rossi, you know, he mentions it. Um, it's not so much like you can come to me at any time and have that kind of conversation and stuff that we can talk about it and he's going to tell, tell me the truth and that's the same way I am with everything. So, um, yeah, we definitely have a, a, a very easy line of communication and, uh, yeah, and I definitely played a, played a big part wanted to play for a guy that I uh, I respected a lot and still do so pitchcom okay great pitchcom how has pitchcom changed the life and the dynamic between pitcher and catcher and I'll preface that Jan by saying there's a couple pitchers on the White Sox that call their own games now um uh pitchcom's there but uh they're they're comfortable calling their own uh, some of them didn't get off to the greatest start in the world, and they're starting to mix and match with uh, the catcher input a little bit more. How does mm-hmm. PitchCom change things for you and your pitchers, and what are your what are your thoughts of it uh, in the infancy here over the last couple of years? Um, I definitely was a little bit uh, hard-headed about it at first. I felt like, you know, this game, you know, I wanted to keep it the old-school, traditional way. and uh, But once we... we are used to it and, and guys I, I actually love it you know i think it's super super easy super convenient uh the only thing sometimes is like you know hearing and the crowd gets loud but um yeah i i i thoroughly enjoy it i i recommend it to everyone and now it's almost kind of weird when somebody doesn't doesn't use it which i'm pretty sure all of our guys do so uh yeah i think it's it's very easy there's different ways of uh playing around with it to where you're, you're really relaying the message that you want to. A few more minutes here with Jan Gomes from the Cubs. The Cubs catcher joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. And Jan, Bruce and I were talking earlier about the great starting pitching you guys have gotten for the most part all season. We've seen it this week. Uh, you had both Smiley and Stroman uh, getting things done. And, uh, you know, how, how would you, from the catcher's perspective, describe that? We know we had you know, the smiley with the near perfect game and, and the way that ended. But uh, uh, it's it's been a great season for the overall picture for the Cubs starting pitching. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, we talked a little bit about that during spring training coming into. We had a lot of phenomenal pieces that uh, were being added and, and, and some experience being added. Just another um, year of uh, more, you know, from a comfort level for smiley and, um and then we had, you know, guys like, you know, Steele, who, who's um, who's taken a, a big step forward um, and matured, you know, tremendously in this game. And I feel like um, from a good, you know, good teams always have good pitching. And then there's the starting pitchers, you know, we're going to rely a lot on them and uh, they're doing a tremendous job. Uh, um, and they're, you know, just feeding off of each other. I know there's a, there, it's a long season still ahead. And I think these guys have done a tremendous, but it's a chance to win every game. 
My last question for you, and Mike and I really appreciate your time today, Jan. Um, mm-hmm. What what would be a perfect number of games for Jan Gomes to catch? Having said, in, you know, prior to answering that question, how it, that your health is good, and that uh, you are feeling uh, strong throughout a season, which is ridiculous, I know, because no catcher mm-hmm. does. But I mean, is there? Is there a number that pops into your head of saying, yeah, it's 120, yeah, it's 100, uh, no, it's 75. I mean, is it, it, with, with good health being, uh, you know, given, what would be a good number for you? Um, I mean, you know, that question can be answered in, in, in many different ways. Um, you know, I would love to, you know, I joked around with uh, – with uh, Carter Hawkins this offseason, I think he mentioned, like, oh, you know, Jan can't catch every game. And, I'm, and I told him, I was like, no, you're right. I cannot. Like, I, I, <laughs> I can't. But, um, no, I think, um, no, I don't have a, a specific number. I think we've uh, we've put ourselves in a good situation to where we can um, uh, have two guys out there that uh, um, they can control a pitching staff and they, they respect us. But, I mean, um for me, uh, it's however many Rossi wants me to play. I, I, I really don't have, um, uh, you know, exact number. Um, obviously, if it's anything over 100, I, I, that's definitely a goal that I've always, you know, going into a season, even last season. I feel like I knew the position that I was going to be in, but I, I, I uh, prepared myself to catch as many games as I could and, you know, still treating myself as if I was the, the starting guy. But, um uh, yeah, I, I I take a lot of pride keeping my body healthy and, and ready to go. So, and credit, you know, we have a tremendous uh, uh, training staff that, and, and um, strength coaches that keep us ready to go. And uh, I rely a lot on them with the increased load of uh, of, of playing. And I, you know, I've, I've always done that my whole career. Do you have any idea what the most games caught is ever for a catcher? I'll give you a hint. He played for the Chicago Cubs in 1968. Well, I'm assuming close to 162. Um, yeah. Hmm. So uh, Randy Randy Hundley was the Cubs catcher for many years, a great catcher, great individual, still a good friend, lives in the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. He caught 160 games in 1968, oh. and he started the year at 190 pounds. And uh, at the end of the year, he weighed 170 pounds. Uh, wearing, wow. he started with wearing a belt and was wearing suspenders the rest of the year. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't know uh, from your perspective how you how you internalize that. that. I mean, that's incredible. That's a that's a. I mean, I feel like we can even say like from position players and stuff like that, playing that many games is already a lot. But uh, that's incredible. Um, much respect to that. I don't think I. You know, I could ever do that, or or have ever been given a chance to do that. I'd love to chat with him about that. That's that's insane. What a backup job that would have been, huh? Whoever the backup was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two games. Four years of big league time. That that was a, that could have been a tremendous job there. Yeah, it was <laughs> a lot of pom poms and uh, getting coffee in that job for sure. Yeah. Hey, uh, Jan, thank you, thank you so much for taking some time out. It's a pleasure having you on. It's a pleasure seeing you go about your job as well and uh, and seeing you in the clubhouse. Th- thanks so much for taking some time out today. Absolutely, Bruce. Thank you, Mike. You guys are awesome, man. Uh, thank you guys for having me.
Thanks, Jan. That's Jan Gomes, Cubs catcher. Always great to talk to. And wow, the Randy, I, I knew it was Randy Hundley. I did not realize it was 160 games, Bruce. And that is uh, something that you'll never see. You'll never see that again. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to have Randy on uh, hopefully over the next uh, few weeks, just to talk about what I consider the, uh, the Cal Ripken feat of uh, one, one season, a catcher catching 160 ball games. That'd be amazing. Well, and, and thanks again to Jan Gomes for joining us. Uh, he's great to talk to. It's good to get his insight on the Cubs pitching staff. And uh, we'll certainly uh, look for him in the lineup today as the Cubs take on the Reds. It's a it's, uh, night game tonight at Wrigley at 6.15. Uh, we have one more segment for us, Bruce, and uh, we will come back and do that. We'll finish up with your calls and texts on both White Sox and Cubs. So stick around. It's inside the clubhouse. Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito in for David Haw today. You've got Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Segment from us here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito in for David Haw today. Quick update for you on our games today. The White Sox take on the Tigers. Jesse Schultons this afternoon against Michael Lorenzen and the Cubs. It is a night game right here on the score Zach's pregame at 5:40, first pitch at 6:15. Jamison Tyone against the Reds. Brandon Williamson and Bruce. Uh, I'll take us right back where we started uh, this show as we look at both of these teams that have seesawed through the first few months of the season. Are either one of these playoff teams? And it's it's a great question that I don't know that anyone has a complete answer for. And uh, I, I will I I will say I, I'm almost leaning White Sox more at this point just because of how uh how they their expectations were higher i think overall they have a better opportunity and i think they play in a weaker division that that's my uh you know 30,000 foot view of of this uh season as we sit here on memorial day weekend well both central divisions you can say a couple things about are they weaker or are they more is there more parity in those divisions in other words are the best teams in the central uh, and again, in the American League, it's hard to define right now. But are the Cardinals, even though they floundered to begin the year, are the Brewers and the Cardinals as good as the uh, Dodgers or the Braves? I think the Braves are in a, their own uh, airspace at this point as being uh, such a, a, a well-rounded team and, and good at so many areas, pitching, defense, offense, uh, you know, just – you know, one of the elite teams, they remain that for a number of years. And you know, Dodgers are a tick down from a team that won 111 games last year, Mike, but they're still a very good team. Yep. So uh, I think parity is is what you, the term you used uh, a little earlier in the show. A lot of parity in baseball. You take a look at the American League East, which is a monster, okay? Yep. Boston Red Sox plus 500 team right there with uh, Toronto near the basement. Okay, those are teams that would be leading most of the divisions in baseball and by far. Uh, so that that's a monster. You know, you, you look at Tampa, they've been playing like one of those teams that's going to win 110 games. But uh, really, uh, you know, you're looking at the balanced schedule and uh, Major League Baseball in general. I think uh, whether it's parity or mediocrity, I think it's great for the game because there's there's probably a lot of teams like the White Sox, a lot of teams like the Cardinals that are going to be up there competing for a division title. 
and you're going to see more cities and more teams uh, um, being involved in August and September when the NFL comes around and starts taking fans away from baseball, you're going to see a lot more cities probably involved uh, with their fans still paying attention to baseball. Yeah, just to put it into perspective, Bruce, and you hit it right on the head, Boston is 10 games behind the Rays at 27 and 24. That is the exact same record that Milwaukee has, and they are in first place in the Central. So it's a tale of two divisions uh, right there. And yeah, I, I know, and, and listen, from, from firsthand Cubs experience right here in town, you know, I'm excited that this year, you know, barring craziness, that we're going to have meaningful Cubs baseball games in August and September. Last year, they were struggling. You knew they were not going to be in, in contention at the end of last year. This year, I think, certainly on both sides of town, whether it's Cubs or White Sox, the expectation is you will have meaningful, exciting baseball games in September. And and really, that's that's what uh, the fan bases are looking for. And that's, I know, what the teams are looking for is to get that chance in the playoffs. Well, there wasn't that enthusiasm for the White Sox a week or 10 days ago, Mike. No, most no, people, I know. Most Sox fans are calling inside the clubhouse and, you know, talk to our uh, great hosts during the week. They were talking about, well, when are the White Sox going to start selling off? You know, when is Giolito traded? Do you consider trading at someone like Tim Anderson? Are, are you uh, are you okay moving Grandal? Uh, I mean, these, uh, these questions a week or 10 days later, uh, you're not going to hear much of that. Uh, the White Sox are, are firmly back in this race, whether they're playing last place teams or not. They're winning base, winning baseball games and playing better ball. Mike, uh, we have a lot of people to thank. Cesar Perez did a tremendous job for us as our producer today. Of course, uh, we uh, ask, we uh, thank John Bugshambi from uh, Marquee Sports Network who joined us. Scott Fitzsednick from NBC Sports Chicago. And our last guest, catcher Jan Gomes. Mike, it's always fun sitting in with you. My, uh, David will be back next week, but have a great week. Happy and safe Memorial Day. And, of course, uh, we turn it over to our good friend Steve Rosenblum. Absolutely, Bruce. Always a pleasure to sit in. And as you mentioned, David Hobb will be back next week. This has been Inside the Clubhouse on the Score. Coming up next, though, you'll want to stick around. Three hours of fun with our buddy Steve Rosenblum. That's next, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.